We are live. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another Educator Innovator Hangout on Air. I'm your host, Ingrid Dahl from KQED, and this is my esteemed colleague, Annalise Wendell. Hello. Who hopefully all of you recognize from previous hangouts. Uh, so this hangout connects to the letters of the Next President 2.0 project, which, as many of you may or may not know, engages and connects young people ages 13 to 18 as they research, write, and make media to voice their opinions on issues that matter to them in the coming election. So you can visit letters2president.org uh, to learn more. Currently, this website is bringing together resources and opportunities for educators working with youth. And hopefully, late July slash uh, next month, we'll, we'll um, start publishing the this, site this for the youth letters. Uh, both text and multimedia, so please sign up uh, to learn more. This webinar today is, is connected to a summer series of opportunities for educators, and in fact, it's part of the Letters to the Next President 2.0 Summer Make Cycles for Educators. This week marks the fifth Make Cycle, and we will focus today's discussion on how to make a video letter with your phone, highlighting storytelling, production, and distribution techniques. Uh, thank you for joining us here today. And a special thanks to our guests for making the time to be here and host this week's Big Cycle. Thank you, guys. Uh, for those of you watching this Hangout Live, we encourage you to post thoughts, ideas, questions via the Q&A feature embedded in the video player. Or you can tweet questions and follow along using the hashtag, hashtag 2NextPrez. That's the number 2, next, P-R-E-Z. OK, so you probably want to see an example of a teen who's produced a letter or a short video product um, that may or may not have been done in three days and six hours. <laughs> so our esteemed uh, panelist, Janelle Clint, would like to show you her video before she kicks us off into introductions. Aliana, could you please do it? Sure. There's like a certain way a woman is supposed to look, and I don't feel like I look like that. I do feel self-conscious about my hips and my butt and being too lumpy in certain areas and like really weird stuff. Are my arms too long? Whether or not I have a double chin Every magazine, every photo shoot is photoshopped. So then it's not just being 100 pounds and big boobs and big butt and small waist. It's also now your skin has to be perfect and you need to be hairless and you need to have no acne. Why do you need to look like that? Why do you need to only be appreciated for your body at all? Cankles. Who the heck cares about cankles? All right. Hi, I'm Janelle, and I'm a youth filmmaker from San Francisco. I do everything from making music videos with cardboard animal heads to that video you just watched. And I'm excited to talk about making films. 
sense in today's age. It's so accessible. Uh, I'm Diana. I'm a film instructor at Bayback. I specifically teach The Factory, which is the advanced filmmaking program um, for high school youth. Um, and I think, um, well, I started off filmmaking 13 years ago, and um, I thought it was going to be really hard. And, you know, with the technology back then, it wasn't the easiest, but I feel like a lot of people can just make films pretty easily nowadays, especially with uh, YouTube and Vimeo, and then you can just turn on your computer and there's a camera right there. Um, and um, it's more or less about creating and piecing your story together versus like the nicest cameras that you have or like even the nicest um, software. Um, I started off using Windows Movie Maker actually and it's free and it's good. <laughs> Um, and um, I think that, um, well, specifically for this project with Janelle, we gave them three days to work on it, and we offered them a variety of uh, topics from body issues to, social, uh, to um, racism, um, ableism, all that stuff, and they got to choose the ones that they were passionate about um, and then um, work on their films. Um, so we did a lot of pre-production on the first day. It was uh, storyboarding, uh, creating shot lists, what angles do you want, different types of um, angles, um, who's going to be your subject. And then the second day we focused on production, which was uh, going out all day and just capturing what you need to capture. Um, so everything from your interview to B-rolls to, you know, uh, more B-roll. Um, and then the third day, we, they focused mostly on editing. Um, so they used Adobe Premiere Pro, which is what we have here, which is industry standard. Um, but like I said, it's just about piecing your story together and just, you know, anything from having iMovie, Windows Movie Maker works just as well. Um, and my name is Chris Sloan. Um, Janelle, I just want to say that's a really good video. You've got a lot of talent. I mean, that was a nicely done piece. Um, so during the school year, I teach high school uh, English and media at Judge Memorial in Salt Lake City, Utah. And um, right now I teach, I'm in Ireland, um, teaching with the overseas cohort of Michigan State University's Master in, in Educational Technology. Uh, and so, yeah, during the school year, I work with people um, like Janelle, you know, people who like to make media and they're teenagers, and they have a lot to say. And, and so, um, like Janelle showed, they have, um, you know, like their voice needs to be part of the dialogue that's happening right now. So, um, yeah, happy to be here. I also um, work with the National Writing Project and KQED, um, helping out here and there. Hello. Um, my name is Rebecca Dryden, and I'm the Director of Elections Coverage for Fusion. Um, which is a, a cable network and also a website. Um, we're owned by Univision, um, and our, our goal is reaching young, diverse audiences. 
one of our big um, elections projects this season is called Dear Next President. Um, we started off by um, making very polished, pre-produced videos. We did some with um, just sort of man-on-the-street interviews. We talked to celebrities. We talked to lawmakers. Um, but then the idea to sort of get it out there, and then the idea was to turn it into a social media thing, to turn it into a movement, a hashtag, and to encourage people um, to raise up their voices and empower them to join the conversation um, in a way that you ordinary people really can since we have social media you literally can just if you put something out there it can actually get to Hillary Clinton to Donald Trump to the folks who are actually running for president um, and so we've done a lot um, lately of work with um, organizations and with schools um, getting kids involved um, and a big push that we've been trying to make lately is teaching people how to make their own videos upload them onto you know Facebook or YouTube or Twitter or Snapchat or wherever um, and use the hashtag your next president um, and just get it out there um, one one example of how it how it actually can work is we were um, we were putting out a bunch of these videos we went to a whole bunch of schools and youth groups and community groups in um, Des Moines Iowa ahead of uh, a presidential forum that we hosted there with the Democrats and we started putting these videos out into social media which is messages from kids um, in the week leading up to the event and Martin O'Malley's um, team it was a it was during the Democratic primary saw the videos and started making his own response videos of you know I, I hear you these are the things that you say that you're looking for and here is my plan to address those things um, and so it, it absolutely can can get in front of the people that um, you wanted to get in front of um, so but what we've been doing more lately is, um, like I said, trying to get people to make their own videos and kids especially um, to get involved. And so we have a we have a clip here um, uh, ready to play. I think um, that is from uh, a high school in the East Village. And this is um, we we shot a bunch of these on video and and have a, a a video that we put together that our editors put together. But we did some of them where we just shot them to show kids how they could do it themselves. We just shot them on an iPad and just uploaded it straight. Literally, it was a 30-second proposition. It's like, look at the camera, say your message, and then you can um, upload it to uh, to social media. And this is one that we put on Twitter. Um, basically, how you'll see it now. I, I think we chopped off the very beginning, but we just uploaded it immediately to Twitter, like 30 seconds after he did it. Um, and it got a ton of love um, at the time, got lots of um, lots of retweets. So uh, so this is, a, this is, I think he's a junior at Eastside Community High School in New York City. And um, he chose to make a rap about um, his for his dear next president message. And so, uh, Leanne, I think you have that video. Yep, I'm gonna cue it up really fast here. Make a, another brief appearance. All right, ready? Ready. What's up? My name is Felipe, aka Philly Fresh, and here's my rap for my next president. Dear next president, here's my message directed. Don't screw us over if you get elected. You'll be a new chapter on our everyday page. I have a few requests. One is raise minimum wage, more jobs for us, and easier transportation in every subway station. Oh, and please don't be a racist. Respectfulness, elegance for each and every resident. This is what I requested for our dear next president. Really fresh, you already know, 2016. <laughs> All right, that was awesome. Thank you, Rebecca from Fusion. Super good. 
Um, so as most listeners are aware, this is going to be a dialogue with our panelists, and I'm just moderating part of the conversation, but we have a couple of core questions that we're going to talk about. And of course, if you're interested in um, us asking our panelists a question, I believe you know what to do, um, so please do it. You can also tweet those questions, and Liana is checking on those. Um, so I, I, say, I would say that my first question is really um, to start with Janelle and for those who are um, also joining her on the panel to respond. But you know, what, what are the kinds of um, advice you would give to other teenagers who might be hesitant to use video as a uh, story to give something to the next president as like a, hey, here's what we want you to consider? Um, I say don't be hesitant. Video is such a powerful medium. It's like the combination of both audio and visuals really makes an impact. It's different hearing about people, like things people in through. Like it's different actually seeing them. And Chris, since you have such experience leading uh, video production in your classrooms, like, what would you tell the audience about some tips that you would like to share with them as a uh, classroom teacher? Um, well, there are a lot of things to think about. Um, but um, just that first question, actually, first was kind of interesting. Like, what would you say to kids to get them to get their message out? Was that right? Yeah. Um, well, I think there's um, sometimes there's a hesitancy by um, students I teach because you know when you put yourself out there and you make statements about things that are um, sometimes controversial, um, you know there's a risk of getting flamed. Uh, you know, trolls can come looking for you and so um, I mean there is kind of a real concern that uh, some of the students I teach have about you know putting a, a message out there especially on really hot button issues so um, in that respect I would say um, do your homework you know uh, make sure that you know what you're talking about because that's oftentimes um, my students one time did something on gun control and um, you know that really <laughs> uh, fired up some people no pun intended and they were just like they got after it and and took to task some of the some of the statistics that my students had and actually a couple of the things were um, accurate you know so like um, their delivery was pretty rough um, but a couple times they actually had some decent point. So I would say, you know, like, first of all, um, you know, your voice is really important, but informed opinion is also really important. And so um, it doesn't take much to, to learn um, some important things about important issues. And, and so that would be first thing I would say. Um, second thing, like Janelle showed, is like you are fully capable of entering the conversation. And some of the things that Rebecca talked about, like, you know, those things can get in front of people who have power, and that's what it's all about is getting youth to get their voice heard and to try to influence things because the students I teach 
a lot of times they're more reasonable than some of the adults that I voted for, or at least like when they talk. Um, you know, like when you vote for people, I don't know what happens, but sometimes they transform and then um, <laughs> they don't talk like they did when they were being elected. So I think it's really important for youth to um, get their voice heard because like the people I teach probably like to know um, are actually really reasonable and thoughtful youth who, who have a lot to say. So, I mean, that's my first thing. There's a lot more to say to that question, but that's like off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I would also add, um, you know, we've encountered this a lot, people being um, hesitant to talk about, um, you know, what, what people say is, I don't really want to talk about politics, I don't want to get political. Um, and, and one thing that we've found is that that's useful um, in that regard. And, and, and you're totally right, and it is scary, and it's especially scary when you're asking them to, you know, talk about politics and then put it on the Internet. Um, and, and so, you know, people are really scared. You have to respect that. But, um, you know, one thing we talk a lot to folks about um, is, you know, I think what people are afraid of when they say they don't want to talk about politics isn't talking about politics. It's talking about they're afraid of, of partisan politics. Um, and, you know, so we encourage people, your, your message to the next president, like what you want the next president to focus on and do, doesn't have to be something that's overtly partisan politics uh, you know it can it can be anything like improvements that you see that you need in education in your community in your life um, and so giving those kind of um, prompts and that sort of um, walking people through it that way has helped a lot and we got um, one very young girl um, in Iowa um, her message was um, I think a couple of things were were um, lowering the cost of food and clothing and then one of them was like and and don't deport my parents um, and so it's just like when you when you put in front of them like what is the most important thing in your life that you think could be helped by the government like that's a sort of I think helps get people around that idea um, or that worry of being overtly political or partisan um, speaking from like a more youth development perspective um, it's really important for us in our class in the, the factory here to create a very safe space for the youth to open up. Um, a, a lot of these issues are very, could make, you know, put them in vulnerable positions. Um, and the goal of our class is not to change anybody's opinion, but just to allow them to have a voice to share that. So even today, we spent about an hour talking about the Black Lives Movement, um, and um, it didn't really have anything to do with filmmaking in that regard, but just giving them a chance to speak their mind and share their opinion about um, all that. And, and then asking the question, how do you want to proceed, and how do you want to be an ally in the situation? And a lot of them came up with, you know, make a film. We have the resources here to do so. Um, and I, I mean, personally, I come from like a more youth participatory um, action type of framework. So I try to um, I see the I see the students that I work with as colleagues more than just like a teacher student relationship, and I think that creates some sort of trust between us and a bond, and will help them open up to me a bit more, and um, just yeah, reinforcing that it's a safe space and that we're here to support their voices. 
Great. Janelle, what do you think about all of that? Um, yeah, I agree with everything and um, I just say do it. Before, you kind of had to be really rich to make films, but now we have iMovie, we have iPhones, so it's very accessible. And you don't need expensive gear to make good stuff. It's like if you have, if you're a baker, just because you have a really expensive stove doesn't mean suddenly your pastries are really good. It's the same thing with, um, with video content could just pull out your iPhone and start shooting. Janelle, do you feel that a lot of teenagers who might not have immediate access uh, to film production hesitate to use their phones to express their opinions that they might want a president to hear? Like, do you think there's fear on that? And like, just curious what you think about that. Um, I do think it's hard expressing your political beliefs and putting your um, ideas out there. Um, there's fear that you'll be judged for being too like, liberal, too conservative, caring too much about a certain identity. So that, that could come up. Fusion, I'm, I'm curious, and you know, Rebecca, maybe you could speak to how you all at Fusion um, combat that because it sounds like you you do similar work with what Diana was saying about building trust with young people so that they feel confident that they can express themselves and that there's an audience to hear their expression. Yeah, um, I mean, part of it is we do a lot of work with um, with organizations and schools that are already working with kids. It's it makes a huge difference. Um, you know, we had a sprinkling of younger kids in when we just, our first push of it was just like going out on the streets and just doing man on the street interviews and every now and then there were like kids and obviously they were there with their parents. Um, but when we did more concerted efforts where we would reach out, like the, um, the, the, the young man from um, Eastside Community High School um, in the East Village in New York City, we were, we had meetings with um, their with their teacher ahead of time, and so he did a whole like lesson about civic engagement and about social media and how that you know plays into president presidential elections, um, and so and 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 had a, a group of kids who were um, already really sort of like passionate, engaged, and and the ones who really wanted to participate um, volunteered. Um, to do it, and he had really talked to them through the project, and he had shown them some videos of, you know, of other kids who had done it, and and what what the project was all about, and so that I think made a huge difference. Like you saw, like the 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 kids' rap was, you know, was it was great, and he clearly had put some thought into it, um, and and like when we were in Iowa, um, we spent about a week and a half there, um, going through um, community organizations. Um, and youth groups and churches and so and working with the leaders of those groups who already had you know really good relationships with the kids and, and had that like trust built in and so sort of when we've arrived on those scenes they very much um, were all kids who who wanted to be empowered you know and who wanted their voices to be heard and so they were really excited to see us and to have us help them um, to express themselves and to, to participate in that way um, so yeah I think for us a lot of it was just like finding the right way into these um, to these groups of kids. Yeah, and I would add to that that like I mean both of these stories like um, 
the Bayback and um, Fusion are like, and, and KQED and National Writing Project, like, it's not just a kid out there with a phone, it's actually like the social network and the support system around them that seems pretty important here, that cuts across all these examples. And um, I don't know, I'm just kind of curious as to like, you know, Bayback, this is maybe off you know, topic a little bit, but you know, Fusion and Bayback, like why you do that, you know? Um, because like having that, like the things you're describing Rebecca, like going into the schools, working with that teacher, you know, mentoring those kids, even if it is just putting up an iPad and filming it, like still somebody has to show someone, like, look how easy it is, uh, you know, to get your voice out there. And then, um, you know, Janelle, probably you've experienced that too with your um, group, you know, Diana, you know, uh, I don't know, just curious why you do that because not every media outlet does that. Yeah, I mean for us, um, and that's like one of the really exciting things for me working at Fusion, um, it's a very, it's a different media landscape and I spent the, the previous, you know, 10 or 12 years of my career working in um, cable and network news and, and you're absolutely right, it's a totally different kind of place and there's a real commitment to, um, to to engaging young people, you know, and a huge and, and 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 it's and and Fusion and Univision both are also really committed to um, like to getting out the vote and to like raising people's awareness, and they 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 actually want people to get involved. Um, that's like a core part of our mission is is getting people getting people to participate and getting people's voices to be heard. Um, a huge a huge problem with um, this like younger demographic that we're aimed at, you know, like we're we're specifically targeting, you know, 18 to to 25 year olds, um, and they don't vote. Um, and and specifically, you know, what we're trying to do is like take a political message and take the campaign to those, you know, largely, um, you know, comparatively unengaged audience members and say you should pay attention. You can be engaged. You know, and let us like help you show help show you why. Um, but yeah, it's it's just like a this is our audience, and so the election is happening, and it's important. And so one of our one of our our key um, one of our key goals um, and and missions for this election season is to like get that audience engaged and involved. Um, for me, I think just growing up. Like I said, I started filmmaking 13 years ago, and that was before I realized that there were any after-school programs that taught you filmmaking, so I kind of had to teach everything to myself without YouTube. Um, and I just, growing up, I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me in mainstream media um, or talked like me or had, you know, came from the same place as me. Um, I come from, like, my mother's an immigrant, and I grew up here, and... Um, I just grew up watching, like, I don't even know, shows that just didn't have proper Asian representation or that, um, you know, we were always portrayed as um, with accents or, like, from a different country. I was born and raised in America or in San Francisco in particular. Um, and it was just kind of very exhausting not seeing anybody who looked like me and kind of just seeing one particular story all the time. Um, so the reason, I mean, why I got into this work was to spread the message about this and kind of inspire people who look like me 
to create media um, and share their own stories or other people who are misrepresented or underrepresented. Um, so, I mean, I purposely go out and do outreach for Bayback looking for people who might not have a platform to share their stories like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, the reason why I joined Bayback was that it's just a really good community of filmmakers. It's so much easier when there's a group of people to help you with things. And um, we get discussed stuff like social justice and prejudice, which has been really helpful in um, my life and like my place in society and understanding the politics that go with it. That's such a great conversation, you all. Wow, you hit so many important points. Um, but I'm curious because of the listeners and viewers, um, what, how would you recommend integrating media making in the classroom, though? Like, maybe Janelle, since you just left high school, in reflection, you could kind of kick us off with that. Oh, I think that teachers can assign video projects. At law, I've had four or five so far, and it's just a great platform for both teachers and students. For students, it's fun to make. Um, people who, like, I mean, I'm fine doing notes and stuff, but it's also helpful to do untraditional ways of learning. And as for the teachers, you really see how much um, information the students absorb by watching the videos and seeing how much they understand. Um, for example, my teacher, Mr. Hereford, Shakespeare's sonnets instead of doing like a test on them or essay on them, we did uh, a video on it. And you could just see the level of understanding that um, the students get, like the imagery that they use. I think because media making is so, is more accessible than it used to be, like, like I said, you could just turn on your computer and your webcam's right there and you can make anything. Um, I think it's um, just like more, it could relate more to the young people who are like, you know, there are millions of followers on, billions of followers on YouTube and um, I think it's inspiring and like um, just kind of like a, a cool platform that young people see nowadays as like a way to get their message out there. But I, I also feel like because there are s it's so accessible now, I, I feel like we have a responsibility to teach the next generation how to use it responsibly. Um, and not just, you know, make really videos that about like cats or something. Um, and as much as I love like cat videos and baby videos, those are great and entertaining too. I think it's important to share how you can um, use media making as a platform to talk about broader issues or broader social justice issues. Also, what would you rather watch, like a five-minute presentation of someone standing in front of the classroom or a five-minute video? Like, would you rather watch that one-minute video about um, body image or have you, like, standing in front of the camera 
like just talking about body image painting. Yeah, I think um, I'd add on what Janelle's talking about. Uh, um, like so far she's mentioned like the English classroom and then kind of like a health thing really if you think about school Ingrid's question about like how can teachers incorporate video production into their classroom like um, you know those are two examples right there and one has for me to say because one of the classes I teach is um, it's called new media uh, you know, and so it's like we do documentary of the school in whatever media makes sense for that particular story. But um, I also think like any subject lends itself to video production because like people learn, one way we learn is through experts. And so like one thing you can do is just turn a camera on someone who's an expert in something and then, um, you know, learn from them and then, you know, edit that to the parts that seem to be most relevant. And I, I think that applies to any subject. And, and it's worth your while, like Janelle said, like you can listen, listen to a uh, lecture, but you know, if you get someone talking about a subject who is an expert, um, you know, like that's another way and maybe a better way for people to learn in a lot of subjects. Thank you, that's helpful. Um, there was a question from National Writing Project just around um, why you all think storytelling is important because clearly you do. Please explain that to the audience. Well, I guess my mic's still on, so, um, you know, like storytelling is important um, for, for youth because narrative is a way for the longest time we've been you know, relating to the world and explaining the world. And so like storytelling narrative is a powerful form. And, you know, in our testing culture these days, I think narrative is maybe underserved uh, because, you know, argument and information writing is considered, you know, paramount these days. But I think narrative drives the whole thing, you know, like narrative is a way to package argumentation and, and narrative is a way to, relay information. So to me, narrative is just powerful. Um, to add on to that, I think it's important to do storytelling because we've been doing it for forever. Like cavemen have been doing it, we've been doing it all these years. Also, if you look at the college application process, there's your grades, like your GPA, your SAT, but there's also this whole other part the college essay, which is the story. They want to know who you are, where you're from. It's just as important as um, your results. I also feel like, um, like our society doesn't really give young people the opportunity to speak up, um, or they're treated like they don't know any better. But obviously, like it was mentioned before, that I mean, I, I think they're completely aware of what's going on, and they have the complete ability to participate in conversations um, about politics or social justice or whatever. Um, and I think, you know, I've had kids who sit in the corner and not talk, and I ask them, like, "What do you think?" And they're completely shocked, like, you know, um, that I'm here to listen and that there is someone here to listen to their story. And um, I think 
I mean, like I, I said before, like uh, I think it's just important for them to develop their own voices and realize that it's important to share. Thank you, Rebecca. What do you think about storytelling? Why is it important to you in Fusion? I mean, I also think, I guess, um, for us specifically, and I think for all media, um, you know, stories are what reach people. Um, you know, because our our ultimate goal, obviously, is is for people um, to read our stuff, to watch our stuff, um, and and I think um, I think absolutely a a, a um, the, the power of the narrative is how you hook people in and how you get people interested. And so I think um, that's, yeah. Okay, we're connected again. Sorry, Rebecca, please continue. Oh, sorry. Bad connection. Um, yeah, I was just saying um, that I think the, um, that the narrative and storytelling is is how you reach an audience, is how you get people, um, is how people relate to you and people connect to you. And those are exactly the ways um, when you talk about, you know, Hillary Clinton um, discovering someone's story online and then they become the, you know, the story that, that the candidates end up telling on the campaign trail, that's all, that's all narrative. That's all because, you know, someone tweeted out a video or someone, you know, told a story to a newspaper reporter in a way that was compelling and connected on a, in a human sort of way. Um, to probably initially someone on that politician's on Hillary Clinton's staff, um, but uh, yeah, I think that's how not only how we reach out to powerful people and how we connect with them, but how we, um, you know, as the storytellers, as the media company, how we reach the audience is by telling them. And and it goes back to you know um, uh, some of what was 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 being said. Um, earlier about um, you know just seeing yourself reflected back in the media that you consume because it's also about um, having a diverse array of voices telling the stories and um, and and that for us I think makes a huge difference like uh, just just having you know diversity in the newsroom and diversity of the people asking the questions the people telling the stories the people doing the reporting um, just makes a huge difference in the story that gets told and the way this story gets told and the audience that it reaches. That's excellent. Thank you so much. You know, I had a, a question around what are some three common mistakes that people do in trying to capture stories using your phone? Anyone can answer. Yeah. Uh, one thing is that they pull up the iPhone like this creates like black bars on the edge which is really cool. So if you just simply turn it like that, that makes it a whole lot better. Unless you're shooting for Snapchat, right? Um, and I was just going to say, you know how I've seen hundreds of student submissions now um, coming in through the various letters to next president uh, media makes that we've been doing throughout the spring. And um, tripods uh, obviously are a luxury, but there's a lot of things you can do with your body to create a tripod effect. Okay. And um, you know, leaning against a door jam, putting your arms over a chair, and sitting backwards in a chair, and just anything you can do to kind of stabilize your arms. <laughs> yeah. Or get, invest in one of those. I don't think they cost that much. Um, but shaky. Shaky cam is 
definitely one of the big things. And then the only other thing I just want to add is audio. Um, I think students often underestimate how important good audio, clear audio is to getting their message across. So anything they can do to reduce background noise. Um, since you're probably not going to have an expensive external mic to plug into your phone, you should look for a quiet place that doesn't have a lot of background noise. Um, tricky with all the citizen journal journalism happening now where you want to be in the middle of the action, you know, on the street, um, capturing things as they happen. But just make sure if you're going to do that, you have an external mic or a little laugh mic. Those are my two big tips. <laughs> Um, you could also stack your phone on books or anything, but I think Daiso sells phone tripods for like a dollar fifty. So um, and you can also hold your breath while you're, while you're recording. That usually stabilizes it. Um, in terms of audio, I think yeah, you might need like uh, some sort of external audio, uh, whether it's like a lavalier or like a microphone that you just have. Um, even using your headphone microphone. Another thing is um, get different shots. You want the content to be interesting. There's a reason why movies aren't set in one room with one shot for an hour. Unless you're Andy Warhol. Um, yeah. That was hard to watch, too. Oh, Bayback. <laughs> Rebecca, what do you? Uh, what would you say? Um, I I agree with all that, especially the uh, the hold your hold your phone this way. Um, I as a as a longtime television news producer, I wanted to just like go to every like protest and every witness who might ever witness something and shoot video of it and give them just like that one instruction to please hold your phone in landscape. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, I think also sometimes we've seen some of these where people like shoot them themselves in selfie mode, and I think the cameras on the on the other side is a, a much better camera. And so if you have a friend who can shoot it, hold the camera for you, um, that's definitely better. You're going to get a higher quality, especially once you then upload it and it gets compressed, and then it the quality uh, suffers quite a bit. Great, thank you. So what are some advantages then to making a video letter with your phone? I mean, I, I think um, for me, and we've done this, like I said, we've done this a, a lot of different ways because this is sort of a big project. So we did um, a ton of, of these videos that were highly edited and produced in like fancy big cameras and editors and studios and we took days and days on them. Um, and we've also done the exact opposite, which is like the, the video that we showed at the top of this um, presentation with just like the iPad on the kid and it's, you know, one shot and he does his thing. Um, and I think like one of the main um, advantages is just like accessibility and ease of use. And you can even do, um, you know, there are edit programs that you can install like that are free on your phone that you can do some basic simple editing with. I use um, Cameo from Vimeo. Um, which is, I mean, you are not going to do like super fancy um, stuff with it, but you can um, make cuts and they have filters and um, you can do, and, it, and it's also really amazing how with just a little bit, literally you can spend five minutes on your phone and make like a cute funny, one of our, um, uh, one of our correspondents, Collier Meyerson, made an early Dear Next President on her phone to sort of show people how to do it. Um, and it was really, she, um, it was like, 
15 seconds long, um, and it just had like three cuts in it, and the cuts were just like, it was sort of funny and effective, um, because it just like cut, it's just like that funny like cut away, and then it cuts, and she's like in a slightly different position with another thing, and it was just like super cute, but it, the whole thing probably took her a total of six minutes. So, um, you know, the fact that you can, you can do an exit, like you can plan and execute and just like fully be done with something um, in such a short amount of time and, and with like what's right in front of you, like you don't have to spend hours in an edit bay and you don't have to like have a light set up and, and fancy cameras and that kind of stuff I think is like the biggest advantage. Um, I had a question about that. Um, is Cameo, does that cost? No, it's free. It's a free oh, wow. app um, made by Vimeo. Yeah, and it's like I said, it's su it's super simple. There and there are tons of them, and I have not, you know, tried out a lot of them. I like a friend recommended it to me, and I tried it, and I I mainly do um, video compilations of my two year old um, with it. But um, it's great for that. It's you can um, I, I know there's some that are also free that you can you can I think even in Cameo you can put music underneath it. Um, there's there's lots of options that's all like with your finger on your phone. Yeah, because I was messing around with Wii Video, and that was kind of like they watermark it, and it's limited, you know. Oh uh, yeah, th this isn't actually Cameo might be better for that, and, he, and it, it'll hook up to you can upload it directly to Vimeo, and okay. it's just a, it's just a video, and you can you know send it to Facebook, um, send it to Twitter, all that stuff is like straight in the app. Because and I think Bayback people will probably talk about it, but to me that's the a big part is like you can film it and upload the raw stuff, but like, how do you actually, for this particular make, right, like, how do you make it look a little bit better, so. Yeah, yeah and one thing that I think makes it e makes this easier when you're using those, like, iPhone um, free editing apps is shoot um, a lot of very short clips, and then you just load them all up into a timeline, and if they're short, they're easy with your, like, because your finger is not, when you're actually using editing software, you, you know, can go, like, frame by frame. This, this is not that sophisticated. You're, it's like your finger moving it. Um, but if you have very short clips, it's, it's really easy, like, 10 seconds at a time. It's really easy to chop out to the parts that you want. Um, another advantage with using the iPhone is I feel like when you have a fancy camera, the real thing that's important for videos is composition, and that kind of gets diluted when you need to adjust like the ISO and the aperture and the f-stop and like focusing the camera. So the iPhone gives you a really basic thing to focus where it's important. Also, it takes a lot less time. Well, one of the benefits of letters to president.org and, of course, um, the project that we're all part of is, you know, there is a wonderful um, role that public media plays in having access to a great and wide audience. So we do have a tweeted question, which I'm going to read off a different screen uh, for the audience, and it is, how important is it for students to have access to a wide audience for their voices to feel validated? I feel like Janelle should take that one. Uh, can you repeat the question? Yes, ma'am. How important is it for students to have access to a wide audience 
for their voices to feel validated? Um, I think it is important. If you put something on YouTube, it gets like 40 views, and you feel like your voice is very important. Um, but I, just, go ahead. Oh, I, I feel like to solve that, you could just post it. We have so much social media posted on Facebook, post it and suddenly your friends and family have access to something Yeah. Um, so, I mean, just as a classroom teacher, I've seen it where when students get uh, feedback from someone they don't know, like a comment from a peer in another city or something like that, that's, that's really uh, motivating. And... Um, I can't say that enough, but it's like you could say to your own like circle of friends like they liked it, you know, because your Instagram friends and they like a lot of your stuff. But I think when people start to get um, comments and, and positive comments in particular from people who are not their, um, in their face-to-face -face or physical community, um, to me, I've seen that, you know, that it's really a highly motivating thing. So I think it is validating to know that your your stuff is reaching beyond your immediate network. I just wanted to add that I, I wanted to piggyback off what Chris just said because I think um, just like for adults there's such a tendency for echo chambers to happen on social media where you're posting your message and your voice but it's just getting likes from mostly people that agree with you and there's something really powerful about dialogue that's possible through something like Letters to the Next President where you're not only getting your voice out there, but you're connecting with other youth around the country and they're experiencing maybe similar things in their own communities or something quite different. And the dialogue that can come from that is so rich and there's a real big learning opportunity not only for youth but for teachers too to kind of have a little window into the rest of the country um, for their students if they participate in something like this. And it kind of goes back to that um, idea of like these um, networks that already exist, like allowing the youth to, you know, become part of that network and spread that word. I think it's really important for the fusions and the KQEDs and national writing projects and Favacs of the world that um, you know that that exists. Like it's really important work. Absolutely. So you've been in a, a robust and very animated and informative panel, but are there any final thoughts that you want to share with our audience before we make it a wrap? And anyone can chime in. Final tips, resources, thoughts? Well, <laughs> Uh, I feel like I just had a final thought, but you know, it doesn't stop me. No, um, just to continue that, that like I think really like, you know, people like Janelle. I think it's really important that they they have that voice because she's obviously she's got talent and um, she has that support. So uh, I think really, you know, the next generation is. I have a lot of hope for them because you know.
in a lot of ways. My generation has kind of fallen short, I think, with the media making and, and the public conversation. So that's my thing. It's like these uh, opportunities for youth are really important for, for all of us. Yeah, I would echo that and just say um, uh, we just think it's so important right now um, with the election happening this year to um, that young people understand that they do have a voice and they you know they can participate. Um, and we have um, you can you can browse a ton of these videos. We've made like literally um, over a hundred of these videos, and you can you can browse them at dearnextpresident.com. Um, and I think there's also, we have a link to just a little cheat sheet of how to make your own video, which has some of those tips we talked about, like holding your phone um, in landscape and, you know, get a friend to shoot it and that kind of stuff. Um, and, oh, yeah, it was tweeted. <laughs> um, so um, all of that uh, is available. And, yeah, I think um, I would just close with encouraging, um, you know, anyone who has access to kids to encourage them to, um, to speak up. I think it's um, our experience with it is that, um, it's been really empowering to these kids, and a lot of them we, we've, we've tried specifically to target um, diverse populations of kids, um, and um, you know, in different socioeconomic backgrounds, and, and in most cases, you know, kids who um, probably don't feel a lot of power in their lives in lots of ways. And I think um, being able to speak out in this way actually did empower them and made them feel like they had a voice. And so um, I think it's been really positive. I don't know, great resources payback. <laughs> so um, the internet is great. You can learn anything you want to. Um, I think technology is growing. It continues to grow. And I think it's important to stay in um, conversation over everything and how um, I think it's important to yeah share diverse stories, like I've said, um, share diverse stories, and teach the young people how to, you know, um, tell the truth about things. Media tends to kind of manipulate its audience, and I think that it's important that um, the next generation um, is able to share. All different perspectives. Well, thank you so much. I want to especially thank our esteemed guests and to thank all of you who are watching. Um, if you'd like to keep up to date on future opportunities, please sign up for the monthly newsletter at educatorinnovator.org and follow Educator Innovator on Twitter. You can follow the handle innovates underscore ed. Um, and especially, please don't forget to follow the hashtag 2NextPres um, and the Twitter account for more on Letters to the Next President 2.0. Um, there's a wonderful website at letters2president.org. And if you could encourage uh, teacher colleagues to sign up, that would be fantastic. So please do, and thanks again. Thanks, everyone. Thank